The Watch is the latest and the greatest in pop culture from best friends Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Join them as they discuss TV, movies, music, and much more. Check out The Watch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are Van Lathan, host of Higher Learning, Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan. We are Six Steve Almond. We are Jomi, the explainer, Adidaron. We are Coke Baby Chuck <laughs> Charles Holmes, host of the Ringer Music Show. And together, we are the Midnight Boys. <laughs> all right, listen. We're the Midnight Boys. You guys have to follow and share the show. We're on all the social medias. That's what we do. We're very social Midnight Boys. We're up at midnight, but we're still social at midnight. It's kind of what we do. Today, we are taking a look at the highly anticipated MCU Disney Plus series, What If Episode 2 is on the agenda. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the biggest news out there in nerd culture. And we're going to do a very special four-on-four later on with animation. Because we're in the animation lane right now. When you say, Charles, a lot of things, animation is out. Animation is hot. Animation is hot. This is where I live. This is where I was born. You know, I'm like Bane. This is, this is the pit that I was born into. This is the pit you were born into? Yeah. <laughs> Bane was the man. Tom Hardy doesn't get enough respect. He, he was hard in that movie. Bane was the man. Bane was like, yo, you think darkness is your ally? <laughs> Stupid bastard. I, I was, was born in dark. Yeah, I didn't see the light so much later. And when I did, it was blinding. I felt so sorry for Batman. That might be a top 10 villain speech in a superhero movie. As he's whipping his ass? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. wait, really quick plug uh, because I need to be better at plugging stuff. Guys, we are ranking every single Drake album on the Ringer Music Show. The show is called Rank Me Later with my boy, Van's enemy, Big Waz. Big Waz. That's coming out this Friday. You got to go check it out. If you think you're mad at me on the Midnight Boys, y'all are going to be mad at me and Waz on Rank Me Later. How can you be mad ranking Drake albums? Drake can't make nobody mad. He can make Kanye mad. Maybe Kanye. That's like getting mad ranking ice cream flavors. You go in there to say, hey, Rocky Road, pistachio. Uh, also, you guys have to look forward to Mal's deep dives into what if they come in every single Friday over there on the House of Mal. Remember, this is an instant reaction show. 
uh, as far as what Mal is doing, it's the heady, it's the analytical, it's bringing in some of the biggest brains. I think, I think she's gonna have, uh, I think she's gonna have Barack Obama on this Friday show <laughs> to break down what if they get deep into it, like super smart, the smartest people in the world, or well, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Kip Thorne, all of those people over there. So they're doing the heady stuff. Uh, I love that show. I actually, I actually listened to that. To, people think that I, we go out, we listen to heavy spoilers, new rock stars. No, I listen to Mal. I listen to Mal when I want the smart take. She's right across the she's right across the hall, so I listen to her. So y'all go check that out. Okay, Charles, you know what this means now? The pleasantries are over. Uh, we're into the podcast. You know what this means? You know what means we have to do something. Hey, Steve, got to roll that tape. You ready, Steve? We're getting ready to talk about the episode. You're listening. To a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Okay, we are talking about What If Episode 2. Last time we ventured into the world of What If, it was What If Peggy Carter became Captain Carter. Sort of a retelling of Captain America the First Avenger as if Peggy Carter had taken the super soldier serum. This one... Totally different. We are now going to outer space. This is what if T'Challa becomes Star-Lord. Charles, instant thoughts about episode two of the MCU's What If? Oh, I loved it. I really thought it worked. I really, really did think it works. The first episode, I was a little bit critical of the animation, the way they told the story. Um, and I really just didn't know what they were going to do. And there's still stuff like the animation still isn't for me. There's other little things that I can nitpick at. But this I said on that first episode, I'm just like, yo, a a mark of a good animated show or movie is that it's going to do something that live action can't. It's going to make me think of the world in a way that I can't. You can really, really play around. And it did all that. It made me want to to be there with T'Challa, this version of the Ravagers. It made me laugh. It made me emotional. I really, really think that they like not only hit this out of the park, but it's, I was just like, why didn't they lead with this? Like, this is the stronger offering, in my opinion. I, the whole time I was just like, I was very, very surprised and very, very happy by what we got. What about you? Absolutely delightful. The MCU at its finest. The interesting thing about these what-ifs are going to be not just to change characters, but to change themes. Hmm. What does it mean when you take a character and what makes that character, what makes that character lovable and what makes us fall in love with that character and place that character in a world where they fundamentally change the themes of the world that we're in, right? Star-Lord, He's a guy, he's a, a Han Solo type guy who has to be pushed uh, in the right direction. I mean, Han eventually, I guess, became more noble. But I think calling Star-Lord, him, comparing him to Han Solo, is giving a lot of credit to Star-Lord that he doesn't deserve. Well, look, what I mean by these are guys who are first motivated by the money. Yes, true. But really, their love and attachment to a woman kind of ends up pushing them to do the right thing more often than not. Right. Uh, so so I think in, in that way, you know, the, the loner anti-hero, he's really about himself, but then he learns how to be about other people in the entire galaxy. So changing that character with the character of T'Challa, who is at his core inherently altruistic, just alters and modifies the entire Guardians universe in the way that you saw. Like they put a king in the place of a pirate. And his regalness rubbed off and affected everyone. And I, fo- I felt like the episode did a fantastic job 
of showing just how amazing T'Challa is, just how fucking awesome the guy is, man. It's a little sad to watch, obviously, at, at some times, but it, to see the adventures, to see the strength, to see all of that stuff, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I really, really was delighted in seeing it, seriously. Honestly, the, the thing that surprised me, I went into this episode having just no expectations whatsoever, which is probably the best way to enter these what-ifs. And it made me realize, I'm like, oh, T'Challa and Star-Lord are the perfect characters to swap. Because to your point, they are on opposite poles. Even their movies, like Black Panther is essentially a movie about like interventionism and like whether a country who is advanced should go out and help the world, whether they should share all of their knowledge and science with the world. And like throughout that whole movie, T'Challa is like wrestling with that. And in this what if, you kind of get that. You get like, well, what if we took that question, but instead of it being vibranium, instead of it being like his smarts, basically T'Challa is taking, like you said, his altruism and infecting it through whoever he touches. And that's why when you see like, oh, like T'Challa through the way he is can change somebody like Thanos. He can make he can make somebody come to his side. And I also like the dichotomy of like, <laughs> like I feel like the MCU is, is really hate Star-Lord. Like the writers are just like, fuck this dude. Cause like for the past couple entries, he's just been like a regular white dude who's just like fucked up. Like, spoiler alert, at the end of this, he's just like a janitor at Dairy Queen. You're just like, oh, if he was not picked up by Yondu, he wouldn't be shit. And T'Challa, you're like, yo, you can place T'Challa anywhere. On God's green earth, he'll triple he'll triple his worth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star-Lord was in there mopping up at the end of the show. I, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I'm interested in where that's going to go. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. This was Chadwick Boseman's final MCU performance. I know that he's going to show up in a couple of more episodes in What If. if I'm led to believe that. He's going to show up in a couple more episodes of What If is what I heard. It's what I heard on the old YouTubes, Okay. YouTubians. Mm. YouTubians. That's what we should call people who spend all day on YouTube like me. The YouTubians. YouTubians. <laughs> but I thought he was placed really well here. Uh, the dialogue was incredibly witty. The humor was amazing. The, this was probably one of the funnier moments. Like, actually, this it made me think of, like, what I've kind of been missing from the MCU in a while. Like, this is, like, the funniest it has been in forever. Like, I, like, there was a couple moments that got me. I'm like, damn. The, the MCU... Once you get to, like, the end games of things, you're talking about big, serious, incredibly high-stakes, high-leverage moments that the MCU is having. We did more crying in Endgame than we did laughing, and we haven't really laughed in a while. We laughed a little bit at some things that would happen here and now, but as far as something that had the complete tone, that comedic tone, uh, like Guardians or Thor Ragnarok, we haven't been there in a little while. Not for the whole thing. The the last couple of things we've gotten, like WandaVision was heavy. Like it was an emotionally heavy show. Like same thing with Falcon. It's about race. Even Loki, like Loki had funny moments, but it was still very much a show about like identity. And I just didn't realize how much I miss. I'm just like, yo, I just want them to crack jokes. I want to see a family, a quirky family, like getting along, running heist, doing all that shit. So that's one thing I'm just like in this next phase of the MCU, I'm like, yo, can we get back to a little bit more of the lighter side of this? You know what I mean? Mm, no, I get it. I get it. Uh, and from the opening scene that we see T'Challa facing off with Korath, which is, of course, a scene that was the opening scene in Guardians of the Galaxy, it sets the tone for how this is going to go. Whereas in the opening scene of Guardians, it's it's Star-Lord trying to convince Korath of who he is. <laughs> and Korath not caring. 
this thing's completely different. This guy was like, I don't know if you guys ever saw Coming to America. I'm not sure if Charles has ever seen it. It's a movie that came out. Jeez, with the with the shots. God. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, but there's a point in the movie where Eddie Murphy's character, Akeem, is at a St. John's basketball game. He's he's uh he's there and he's waiting in line to go to the bathroom. And there's some guys that come by that are from his home country and know that he is actually the Prince of Zamunda. And they immediately begin to kneel and their faces light up and they're so happy to see him because he's like a celebrity to them. That reminded me of the scene with Korath and uh, T'Challa, you know, inside the temple where he's trying to get, he's trying to grab the Power Stone. Just so happy to be in his presence. So thrilled to have met the legendary Star-Lord, even to get his ass kicked by him. And then, of course, we set out on our journey, which takes all kinds of twists and turns. Can I just say Korath, just throughout the episode, like who every, anybody who will listen, he's like, yo, man, like, I'm not trying to say this, but like, you know, me and Star-Lord are best friends. Every single time he said that shit, I fucking cracked up. It got funnier each and every time. It was great. It was great. T'Challa also did the, I think the biggest surprise for me, and we're, we're going to talk about where the episode goes, but I did not see Thanos coming. Oh, no. That we I did wow. not see Thanos wow. coming. I look up and I'm like, it's Thanos. And I keep waiting for the Thanos to become, you can't rehabilitate fucking Thanos, <laughs> right? I keep waiting for Thanos to Thanos it up. And have a plan and be diabolical, but he's not. He's it's it's so funny. And every time he's explaining his plan to people, which think about this. This is another thing that I love. Instant reaction show. This is another thing that I loved. Thanos' plan to wipe out half the galaxy, half the universe, was the driving force for an entire phase of Marvel movies, right? The driving force, it was a punchline in this show. It shows you the power of the narrative and how we can really get into another story and completely move away from things. that we, It was a punchline. They kept going back to it as a callback. Hey, that sounds like genocide. Oh, but it's efficient. Like, it, <laughs> it, like stories build on top of each other, and, we, and we're, the last layer is the one that we're always the most satisfied with. And so to take that and take that character who is like, the biggest bad of the big bads of Marvel thus far and turn him really into a lovable hero type wisecracking guy in 30 minutes. Bravo, man. Bravo. Oh, it, turning him into like the embarrassing dad. Cause like at the end, like Nebula is just like embarrassed of a Thanos because like he's talked to the Dora Milaje and he's just trying to explain to anybody who listens like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The plan is efficient. And the Dharma Lodge is like, it sounds like genocide. And Nebula is just being like, the embarrassed are like, yo, dad, can you stop telling everybody about this fucking dumb plan? I thought it was genius. It was actually like, we got something similar in Loki when they were saying like the Infinity Stones are just paperweights. Absolutely, yeah. But to, but to me, this was, the joke landed even more because you got to see someone, a character, a villain that you were so afraid of for so many films turned lovable. And I didn't think that they could do that in a 40-minute show. That was, to me, incredible. But if I have to push back on one thing, did they make Thanos go out like a punk? He was, like, they, like, we <laughs> learned, like, like, Thanos was, like, beating up the Hulk. And now, like, it was, like, two Black Order goons almost got him out of here. I was just, like, the power scaling of it a little bit felt a little off. I mean, Marvel does that sometimes. Also, do we have a definitive answer on whether or not 
Thanos' dismantling of the Hulk was in any way aided by the Power Stone? Because we've this has gone back and forth. I've heard I've heard people say that he had the Power Stone, which is why he was able to screw over the Hulk like that. But I've also heard people say that, you know, he's a, he's a soldier and a fighter. Hulk is a big goon and he could have done it anyway. Wait, Jomi, Jomi the explainer, let us know. So if you go back and you watch the two films, The Gauntlet, it's explicit that you have to, he has to like, he has to like use his hands, right? He has to close his fist to use the gauntlet. Doctor Strange is like, make sure he doesn't close his fist so he can't use the the power of the stones, right? And so during the fight with the Hulk, that was no stones. Boy, was just, he just, Hulk just got his cheeks clapped. That's essentially what happened. Which is kind of weird, but look, it, the Hulk. The Hulk has been depowered throughout the. The, the Hulk has been disgustingly depowered <laughs> throughout the, his entire uh, run here in Marvel. Don't get me wrong, Thanos. Uh, Thanos. I almost fell back into the Thanos. Thanos is an eternal, and he has a ridiculous amount of power. Without the, the without the uh, uh, the stones, he's one of the more powerful. But the way he did the Hulk was a flawless victory. It was really fucked up. All right, here's my thing with the Hulk. Like, Hulk isn't even my favorite character, but, like, if you read, like, comic book runs, like World War Hulk, like, Hulk's coming back to Earth and destroying every... Like, no one's stopping him. Yes. So it's very funny, like, throughout the whole MCU, people are just... Like, Hulk goes out like a punk in multiple yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. But to back to your point about, about Thanos, they flipped it, and they let Thanos get his issue a little bit. You know, the Black Order is kind of giving him the business. Although he did his thing. He did his thing. He was doing his thing. What was your favorite twist in terms of Star-Lord's story in this, though? What was the favorite little tweet that they made that you really liked? Thanos was my favorite. I would say number one, but if we're going 1B, I loved Howard the Duck showing up. Whenever Howard oh, the I Duck like shows Howard. up, I like Howard. I, I just, I vibe with it. I'm just like, yeah, give me more Howard. I thought that, like, once again, like, I thought that you could have stopped with Thanos and I would have still thought it was a great, perfect episode. But then you got Howard the Duck out here and I'm like, all right, y'all just showing off now. Y'all up by 20 and you're just like doing tricks now. They love just throwing Howard in there and letting Howard get his shit off for a little bit. Do me a favor, Charles. Sing the Howard the Duck theme song. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Jomi, Steve, one of you guys sing the Howard the Duck theme song. At what, <laughs> at what point did you think I, I watched Howard the Duck? Interesting. At what point? Really tried to get me out here. Meanwhile, the other two Midnight Boys have never seen that fucking terrible Howard the Duck movie. I've seen it's like five terrible. minutes of it. It's not terrible. Van, you got to understand, we weren't born in 1945. For real, right. bro. Like, yeah, for real. It's not, it's not terrible. Howard the Duck. Hey, if it ain't funky, don't feel it. And he saw the arrow straight through my heart. Come on, Howard the Duck. Yeah. That's the song. I hate to break to you, Van, but the it's other Midnight Boys still have their hairlines, so we have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So. Yeah, it's true. Okay, you know what? <laughs> We're <laughs> I'll just let you guys know something. I'll just let you guys know something. There are comebacks. There are comebacks, like <laughs> economic comebacks. There are all kinds of comebacks. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell. I'm just all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play the old man game, and I'm gonna say. You missed out on it, and it was great. You guys should watch the Howard the Duck movie. It was great. It was really a lot of fun, but whatever. Fuck it. Fuck. Oh, Howard the Duck. Now, 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 because I know the good things in life, you guys don't know that. Whatever. Let's go. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Broke asses. Did you like, just call us broke? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Uh, T'Challa's story here. 
it, it, I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, I got to give a shout out real quick to Blonde Nebula, my girl. Oh, she looked fantastic. She looks so good, bro. It was like, it's like the Amber Rose thing when you see Amber Rose with hair and you're like, oh, shit. Like, like can I? <laughs> Wait, real quick. What? Real quick. Was T'Challa uh, tapping that? Yeah, I think so. Right? There was, there was energy. There was chemistry. Yeah, there was energy. It was chemistry. I kept waiting for uh, Gamora to show up, but I guess I, in the trailer, I went back and watched that she's in Thanos' Thanos's armor in one of the shows, so I guess we'll get more from her maybe in this particular situation because her dad didn't go on to fulfill his, his, his purpose uh, in killing half of the universe. Maybe that's something that Gamora picks up, but she, she wasn't in there. She was one of the only characters that was missing. Uh, well, no, not true. I didn't see Rocket. Rocket and Groot weren't see, there. Rocket and Groot weren't there, so we'll see. Maybe Rocket and Groot joined Gamora, and it's going to be Guardians against Guardians or something because uh, I, I like to think that a lot of these episodes are going to be tied in together with the what-ifs. They're going to be one-shots, but there's going to be a common thread, whatever. So a lot of stuff happening. A lot, a lot of theories. Wait, would you, let, would you let somebody call you Cha-Cha? That annoyed me the whole time. I know it was a pet name. Just pet names are pet names. They're for they're they're, they're just really. It's just that. What do you want your pet name to be? Like what you want Not it to Cha-Cha. be? So, you want it to be something. It's a pet name. <laughs> I would let Blonde Nebula call me whatever she wanted. So all right, Thirsty Joey. This is hold on, hold on, hold on, Joey. So, Joey, you would let Blonde Nebula call you whatever she wanted. <laughs> relax, God dear. Okay, relax, I was <laughs> Wow. There are there are <laughs> limits. Oh Damn. Jesus, Jomi. Damn. Whoa. There are limits. Right. Jomi said if you blonde, you can say whatever. Whoa. Whoa, Jomi. You gotta Jomi, stop. Were you at the Capitol? Yeah, <laughs> Jomi was Jomi. Jomi stormed the Capitol. I don't mind Jomi. He's one of us. He doesn't mind it. He's one of the good He's one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. Jomi doesn't mind it. Yeah, I let him down. Oh, Come on man. over here, Jomi. Jomi don't even get mad when we say it. Are we like <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, before we get to uh, our reflections on this episode, uh, our villain here was the Collector. Loved it. Loved it. I like that. Everything about it. He was getting busy when he, when the Collector popped out with the Dark Elf dagger, like with the Captain America shit, all that shit. I'm like, wow, they really didn't do enough with the Collector. Yeah, well, the collector is an easy character to make a villain because he's just completely weird and sniveling and has been throughout the entire MCU. So, and we never really got as big of a hunk as of the collector as we wanted, to your point. So to see him actually have that same type of collector energy, I don't think that was Benicio Del Toro, but to see him have that same type of collector energy and actually have, like, be the bad guy here because we lost all our bad guys. Oh, it was Benicio Del Toro. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. It didn't sound like Benicio Del Toro. I have a big problem figuring out whose voices are actually there and whose voices that they bring. They brought in other uh, other actors to play. Oh, I have to go it, to IMDb. Like it, Sometimes even the people there, it, it doesn't sound like them. So, so, excuse me. I stand corrected. It was Benicio Del Toro. But uh, I like that. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fact that, you know, because the collector in and of himself is... That's something weird and sinister to do. So the fact that he would be there and and be the one that was trying to, uh, to I guess collect T'Challa or collect the stone made a lot of sense. I dug it, 
And I like another twist that I really enjoyed was that the Black Order was out of work. So they had to find somebody else to work for. You know, Thanos cut them loose. So they had to go and find some other. Some pre- right. <clears throat> this brings up another pet peeve I've had. Okay. Black Order didn't really have much to do in Infinity War. In terms of like, we were told the Black Order was like so bad and so sinister, but they collectively on the screen for like 10 minutes and they don't do much. I mean, what do you want them to do? I just want to see them be a little bit, have a little bit more fighting prowess. Like in this, you saw them get busy, which confused me because I'm just like, wait, two of them are taking out Thanos, but like one of them had trouble with like Captain America, Black Widow. That's the only part of this that doesn't make any sense. So the only, no, so the Black Order, you know, Ebony Ma having, going back and forth with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Iron Man and he held, he, he held it down. Like he held it down. He did his thing, right? The only part of their MCU existence that doesn't make sense is how they essentially beat Vision and Scarlet Witch. <laughs> now, I know they snuck Vision, but they essentially beat Vision and Scarlet Witch, and then they turned around and got housed by Cap, Falcon, and Black Widow. I'm sorry. That don't make no sense. And, and, and finally, and, finally, someone agrees with me. And look, you can come my name, at Van Lathan on Twitter and Instagram. I'll argue up and down. I've heard all. You know that don't make no sense. Cap had the element of surprise. Cap the catch the spear. That makes zero sense. Like no sense. So that's it. That's the only time. But in this, it's the, they're up against they're up against Thanos. It's a good fight. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that as well. So last episode. You didn't dig as much because you felt like it was essentially uh, swapping out of uh, Peggy Carter for Steve Rogers and it's just a retelling of the first Avenger. This movie is, excuse me, this episode is based heavily in Guardians of the Galaxy, but it doesn't feel like that at all. No, it doesn't feel like a recap at all. At all. It feels like an entirely new, fresh story. Even the relationship between Yondu and Star-Lord in this particular one feels completely, completely fresh because they're not at odds the entire time. They're actually homeboys from the beginning, which is something that we didn't get uh, really from our, from the, the main story until the end of Guardians 2. Was this an improvement? It has to be. To, to, to make me care about the characters, to make me care about this show, when like aesthetically I'm so just like, my brain is like, I don't want to watch this. And I, after like five or 10 minutes, once the jokes started flying, actually it was T'Challa versus Korath in the beginning. Once that made me laugh, I'm like, I'm here. And I do think that this story, this episode also had a stronger theme that they spelled out right in the beginning. The theme of like nature versus nurture. Is T'Challa who he is no matter where he goes? And I really, really think that works for the character. Because like Wakanda in Black Panther, the movie, like it shapes who he is. And then in this, being in a galaxy, you still realize that like T'Challa is, there's a heart to that character. There's morals to that character that will never change. But the way he goes about, like the way he goes about everything is a little bit different because we, we realize at the end of The Last Black Panther, like he goes to the bay and that's where he decides, oh, like I'm going to try to improve the rest of the world. And in this, he's a kid. And like by the time he's grown up, he's like, he's known as the, a Robin Hood who's literally doing what he did in the Bay, but on like this galactic level that I was just like, oh, this was the theme 
the characters, the stories, the punchlines, everything. It just worked for me. What about you? Same. It just showed his driving force to be good can change so many things and save so many people. He literally saved trillions of lives by changing Thanos. Boy, I'm fighting with the Thanos, Thanos thing. I'm trying to do it right, you guys. I want to say Thanos so fucking bad. Yeah, bro. bro, I'm fighting with the Thanos, Thanos thing. Um, But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like Captain America, Steve Rogers in that, you know, obviously that's a powered person after you take the serum, but the real power is who the, who the character is. I just thought that this was the best example of what if, because you take a character whose essence is, is so pure and so not just pure, but well understood and you place it in a different world and you watch that world change around the character. I liked it. I like, I, I really dug it. And couldn't agree just, more. And just to be honest with you, man, you forget that Chadwick is gone, you know, just because in life, we move on from things. But man, we lost a lot. You know? Like we like we we lost a lot. We lost a first-rate performer, a first-rate human being, dignity, class, grace. Uh someone that for years suffered silently as you know his body and his physical being uh deteriorated, but still found it necessary to to give us the his last ounce of life force through his art and just it just hits it like it hit it hit this this episode felt like a celebration of that it felt like a celebration of not just the goodness of T'Challa but a celebration of the goodness of Chadwick Boseman so I was really into it beyond the emotional part of it just on in the clear story stuff it was amazing but that puts it over the top when you think about what they yeah. were celebrating. I will say that there was a magic to this episode where for the whole episode, I had forgot that Chadwick was dead because I was in- instantly like transported to like another time. And it like that to me was the greatest gift because until they had the little memoriam thing at the end, that's when it hit. And that's when I got emotional. But I was just like, oh, like Chadwick at the end of the day was like an entertainer. Like he had a power to transport you to another time, another space and really make you fall in love with the character. And it was just like, that's probably the saddest thing where it's like at the end of that episode, I'm like, oh shit, like he's not, he's not here. I was so wrapped up in like, just hearing his voice and all mm-hmm. the comedy and like the good time. I actually give him kudos. This could have been a very sad affair where they try to make it like super grandiose and super important, but it was just like, no, like give him something really, really fun to chew on for 40 minutes and like, just make, make them all realize we, we missed. We're going to miss and we're missing out on just a generational talent. So I agree. Yeah. With that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Felt like at the end, we ended up in heaven. We were back in Wakanda yeah. Everybody was chilling together. Jokes were being cracked. It was a good feeling. I appreciate Disney and the MCU for making me feel that way. That was dope. All right. We will be checking in on What If throughout its season with our thoughts and reactions. We are loving that. We are enjoying this. Charles, I guess for you, they're one for two. For me, they're two for two. You know? They're one for two, but I will. I want to say everybody. I feel like everybody's like, "Yo, Charles hates things." I'm just like, "No, I love things a lot. I just hate things a lot too." And this is probably the perfect example of just like, "Yo, when the when Marvel hits, when superhero shit hits, I'm gonna sing its praises." But when it doesn't, man, I'm pulling out the chopper. Like it just that's just how it has to be. There it goes. Oh, look. By the way, all of y'all young whippersnappers, y'all need to go and watch the original Howard the Duck movie from no. the eighties. 
Steve yeah, cut his mic. How come y'all? How come y'all feel like y'all can? How come y'all feel like y'all don't have to put in the same shit? You know, let me tell y'all. Let me tell you guys something real quick. Oh All of you guys, gosh. let me tell you guys something. This is not really so much for you, Steve, because you're what? <laughs> let me talk. Let me talk to Jomi and them real quick. Do you know there was a time when it wasn't easy to be a blurt? Now, fucking Endgame comes out, makes a billion dollars. Everybody's like, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I like comic books. I'm a nerd. Do you know there was a time when going to the comic store after basketball practice, people weren't feeling that. There was a time when trying to go to comic cons and see the bootleg copy of the Fantastic Four movie directed by Roger Corman, spending a whole summer trying to see it, people weren't fucking with that. Like, it was a time when all of this stuff, endless amounts of times playing video games, pooling your money with your boys, trying to get the first appearance of fucking Bishop. You know what I mean? Like, it's a time when none of this stuff was cool. Watch these movies. None of it was. It was It was a subculture. Worshipping Todd McFarlane. None of that. And for you guys to sit up right here and besmirch the fucking blurs that paved the way, that paved the way for y'all to sit y'all young asses up here and besmirch the name of Howard the Duck, Tim Robbins, Leah Thompson, Jeffrey Jones, Howard the Duck, the movie. You don't get to do that. You don't, you don't have the answers, Charles. I've been doing this longer than you. My only response, <laughs> I would like to quote one of the great bards of our time, Stephen A. Smith. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. All right, okay. well, well, all right, well. I, I want to do right now a Midnight Boys watch party. Midnight Boys watch party for us and all of our Midnight Riders <laughs> out there, Howard Deductive Movie. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, let's go to Nerd News Minute started. Kevin Feige had to get his Sean Spicer on. Woo. Cleaning up with the big man. <laughs> Kevin Feige. All right, so there was a little controversy surrounding Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi isn't even out yet. They premiered. Uh, very recently. Shout out to a friend of mine, Jason, who went out there to the Shang-Chi premiere. But Disney CEO Bob Chappick, I guess is his name. The only Bob I know is Iger. But Bob Chappick, he described Shang-Chi's release strategy as an experiment for the company. Now, I will give you the quote in full. So this happened to do, it says, as the film, it's, it's an interesting experiment for us. He was referring to the fact that the film only has a 45-day theatrical window. He said the prospect of being able to take a Marvel title to the service after going theatrical within 45 days will be yet another data point to inform our actions going forward in our titles. Now, what he's essentially talking about is the fact that you're going to get a 45-day theatrical run, 
of Shang-Chi. Well, it will only be in theaters. And then after that, you're going to see it on Disney Plus Premier Access. And he says that it's an interesting experiment uh, for, for Disney and Marvel. Now, uh, Simu Lu, the star of Shang-Chi, didn't fucking appreciate that. Like he he, he did he, he he did not he did not like that. He came back on Twitter. This was August 14th. He says, We are not an experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will preserve after an embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the fuck up to make history on September 3rd. Join us. Kevin Feige jumped into this and made sure that everyone knew. Okay. That it it was not it. He didn't. That Chepik didn't make mean what he said. He is not a shy man. I think in that particular tweet you can see, uh, and, and I think everyone does. It's a misunderstanding. It was not the intention. The proof is in the movie. We swung for the fences as we always do with the amount of creative energy we put in and the budget. There's no expense spared to bring this origin story to the screen. This has made a lot of people think that maybe there are some people at Marvel who are looking at Shang-Chi as more of an experiment, not just because of the unique release strategy behind the movie, but also maybe, possibly, a small bit because of the ethnicities of the leads in the movie. Like primarily the first Marvel movie that has a primarily all-Asian cast. They do not like to be referred to as... An experiment. Charles, your thoughts about this? Very fair. I rock with Simu Liu. Love him. Big fan from Kim's Convenience. Love that man. And I do think, like, hey, you work your whole life, get a Marvel movie, the pandemic hits, all this stuff happens. And then to hear that uh, the CEO of Disney calls it an experiment, I would be kind of mad too. Because I do think that, like, we know how the world works. If this movie fails, then who gets generally gets blamed? Who was the company like, oh, well, uh, I don't know if we're going to try that again. And I think Simu has to stand up and be like, yo, no, like that's not how you refer to a movie, especially one of your first Marvel movies and one of the first superhero movies in America, at least, that has an all Asian cast or mostly Asian cast. I get it. I I actually kind of give him props for most actors to be like, nah, I got to eat this. That's the big man up top. And him to be like, nah, I'm not, I'm not rocking with that. Kudos to him. Yeah, gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. Uh, you don't want to other this. Okay, this is a Marvel movie. It's unique because of the story. It's unique because of the characters. Don't other the movies because they're not other when it's white guys that are the leads, right? So it's not an experiment when you take a chance on a new director like Taika Waititi on, on Thor Ragnarok, right? It's not an experiment then. It's just you're doing something new. Uh, it's not experiments when you do other stuff, when you step out, when your leads look the way leads have looked all the time. It's not experiment. It's a Marvel movie with a different with a different flavor to it. Okay? It's a different movie, different story. All right. So I don't I personally think that this was a misunderstanding. I think that this was probably a CEO who speaks in business speak. But this is another reason why the business speak and cultural speak oftentimes don't mesh well. He's talking about, hey, this is unique because we want to know if this is going to work in the in in the release schedule, in the release strategy, and you know nobody wants to other this movie though, especially not the stars. They don't want to be other. This is a Marvel film. 
It's a Marvel film like any other Marvel film. It's got the same budget, should have the same push, and should be given the same chance. And I think that's what uh, the lead was trying to say. And I think that the point was well taken. And, and, and Feige seems to have gotten the point. Feige seems to have gotten the point. So there you go. Just like a little bit of controversy. Not bad, though. A little bit of control. Control. Is this the limit of representation? And what I mean by that is like, I personally, like when at the at the peak of this, Black Panther, all this stuff, more diversity, I was always like, look, we always got to be careful when like corporations start throwing around the word representation because like, I don't actually think it means that much unless you're re- really willing to not only invest in it, but like think holistically about what it means to, to have an all-Black film or an all-Asian film or to have a woman in the lead and how you need to market that, how people even behind the scenes to investors need to talk about that. And I'm getting to the point where it's just like, there are going to be more movies like this in the Marvel slate. And I do think Marvel's getting tripped up a little bit about trying to communicate that, no, these movies are not different than everything we've done before. Like you said, let's not try to other this thing. And it's getting a little sticky. Okay, so if the MCU fails, if the MCU begins to fail, loses what it's built over the last 13 some odd years, it will be because of diversity. And it won't be because of diversity in the sense that the overall quality of these movies will fall off or the stories won't be as good or... Uh, the active performances won't be as good. It'll be because there's a different standard in America when people aren't white. So if this movie comes out and it's as good as Ant-Man or it's as good as Doctor Strange, the fact of the matter is, is that people like Benedict Cumberbatch and perhaps Paul Rudd uh, a little bit better than they like the lead here. They're a little bit more familiar with those guys, a little bit more comfortable with them. So you slide in on the movie. Like we talk about how bad Thor the Dark World was, right? Or you talk about how bad Thor the Dark World was. If that had been a black lead in that movie, it's a completely different situation. We're accustomed to the MCU being a successful uh, franchise, being a successful filmmaking experiment. But this will test the limits of the audience. What we've seen from the MCU before, it worked because it was safe. Big, strong, white leads. You go out there and you make the movies. Some of them are great. Some of them are good. Some of them are eh. All right? But we're going to see how much rope the audience and the film-going public gives these same movies to find themselves, these characters' movies to find themselves. You know what I mean? Thor didn't really find himself till his third movie. You know what I mean? So we're going to see how much leeway these people give these other characters to find themselves when they look a little bit different. And if they don't, because remember, if you're a comic book fan, you're not new to this at all. Why don't we have better characters that are black? Why don't we have more characters that are black? Who's creating these characters? You know, like where are they coming from? Like, why don't, why is there no character that resonates for in in America, like Superman, Batman, somebody like that. And there's two reasons. One is because it's more difficult for somebody outside of the culture to write characters that are true to form and and really represent a different culture. And secondly, the audience isn't as receptive to them. 
no, not the comic book rating. And like, if we're being clear, the thing that they're not as comic book fans, I think we're going to give them a little bit more leeway, but the public might not is like, let's be clear. Shang-Chi does not have like decades of good comic books. No, he, he has decades of racist comic books. And in modern times, they've tried to like massage that same thing with like the Falcon, the Falcon. <laughs> is whacking comic books. Like, he does not have decades worth of good stories. I'm just being 100% real. So for the movies, for the MCU to massage these characters and get them to a place, to your point, I don't know if they're going to give Shang-Chi two movies like they did Thor, three movies to find himself. You know what I mean? It's harder. Like, Thor has good comic books. Shang-Chi doesn't. Like, Black Panther, we want to be real, Black Panther has some good comics, it ain't much. You know what I mean? No, and they I just kind of Black Panther's had some good runs, but he's not like what you would consider to be a top tier. He's not top uh, tier. Like, it's not yeah. like Spider-Man level runs. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? He's got some good runs, though. He's got some good runs. But no, I just didn't know, but you're you're right. You're right. So, and it's a risk. And it's yeah. one that has to be navigated with, you know, a fine-tooth comb. You got to be careful. And I think Feige knows that. I stand with my man, Simu. I'm your biggest fan, my man. I'm going to be out there on the front lines. Delta and all to see this movie. I want all the Midnight Riders. Well, actually, Midnight Riders, be safe. If you have to wait 45 days, feel free to wait 45 But if you got a mask and you feel good at your little theater, I, I, I'm not going to tell you to do nothing. Do whatever you want. I'm not going to well, Do whatever makes Man, you- stay in the goddamn house. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say anymore. I thought this thing was over. Man, this thing came bounce back up like round ball, baby. It, it's shit. Bounce back like round ball, man. God damn. All right, Star Wars Vision trailer came out. New anthology series in the Star Wars universe. It is anime style. What did you think of the trailer? The trailer was epic. The trailer actually made me think. I'm just like, why wouldn't they just do this level of animation for all the shit? Like, after watching, like, What If? I know people like the Clone Wars and Rebels, and I like them too story-wise. But after watching, like, some of, some of the shit that they're doing in this trailer, I'm like, this is another level, bro. Like, this is another level. I don't know if I'll end up caring about the stories, but just visually, it was sick. Yeah, you remember what I said when I said that, like, sometimes I don't like when they take other things and make it in the anime style? Remember I said that about Batman? Uh, I felt that way when I watched this trailer for the first time. But then after, there's something about the Star Wars universe that lends itself to this. It seemed like a natural sort of deal here. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to it. We're in the animation space. I tell you, a lot of these places, a lot of these stories, you can do more with animation than you can with getting a bunch of actors together and going crazy on some of these stories. Star Wars in and of itself is, is faring a lot better in the animation space right now than it is in live action, for but, sure. But here's the thing, to your point, like the reason I think the anime might actually work stylistically is because when you think about it, like Star Wars is essentially a samurai tale. It's like a, based on like Akira Kurosawa films and just like lightsabers and honor and all of like Jedi are basically samurai. So I do think that like if you watch the trailer again, you're like, oh, like this makes sense. This is a full circle comic moment. Like George Lu- Lucas took something that was, like, baked in, like, Japanese, like, martial arts and samurai films, made it into sci-fi, and now the sci-fi is going kind of back to the source. So I think it's going to be, even if, like, it's not entertaining, it will be beautiful to watch. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide 
when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right. It is time for four-on-four animation edition. In honor of this exciting Star Wars trailer, we want to play a little bit of four-on-four. Now, we played three-on-three last week. Video game adaptation. So now we're doing four on four with animation. Jomi and Steve, you guys want to explain to the people what the rules are here today? What are we doing? Like, what's going on? Sure. Uh, this is gay. This is a, in the spirit of last week, our fun three on three, but now it is four on four. It's a collection of favorites, one pick per category per each person. We've got four categories now based on animated films, favorite animated film favorite animated TV show, favorite Saturday morning cartoon. This is a bit more of a spiritual category, after-school specials, something like that. And favorite anime. Are you telling me right now down here that for the favorite Saturday morning cartoon, it doesn't have to be a cartoon? No, 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 no. It's a cartoon. It doesn't necessarily need to be happening on Saturday oh, mornings. Oh, okay. Like if it appeared on sa- Friday, like I think, I think Avatar was on Friday. Yeah, if you were watching it after I, school as a kid, something like that. In that same vein. All right, but but before we get into this quickly, can you explain to the audience, there was a little ruckus in the Midnight Boys group (laughs) chat because uh, Steve and Jomi broke up their uh, partnership, and I truly want to know what the fuck happened. Steve's an old man, essentially, is what we found out. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to be simple about this. We, <laughs> I we mean, collectively oh, Steve, agreed. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Look, Steve, you, we, Steve and I had, you know, had to separate due to creative differences or the fact that Steve is creatively older than I thought he was. It's more, yeah, it's a, we, have, we suffer from chronological differences more than creative ones. So we'll show our age here, as I'm sure Van will, as I'm sure Charles will. Steve was talking about uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and I was like, bro, what? Jeez. Jeez, man. <laughs> wow. Nuts. So batting order remains the same. It will go Van, Charles, Jomi, then myself. Favorite animated movie for me, Transformers the Movie. Wow. From 1986. Okay. 86. That's dope. Let me tell you guys something. Rest in peace to my man, Hot Rod. All right. My guy, I love you, Hottie. You're my man. I keep waiting for them to bring Hot Rod back and put him in one of these movies. I don't know why they won't do it. All right, Hot Rod. Rest in peace to Hot Rod, man. Optimus blamed himself. Let me tell you something. Like Optimus Prime, to me, is one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And it was on full display in this movie. I can't tell you guys how excited we were. We were doing the little dance. He's like, we going to see the Transformers. You know what I mean? I was six. I was six years old. We had to go see the Transformers movie in theaters. You know what I mean? And we, we, we saw it. It was amazing. I really enjoyed the movie. I wanted, to be honest with you, 
the Transformers reboot, the live action one, I want it to be a shot for shot remake (laughs) of the 1980s. I really thought it was for a second. I was disappointed. Did you cry when Optimus died? Yeah, it was tough. And see, here's the thing about Optimus Prime dying in that. You're a kid. How about that? How about I'm six years old? How about how about we go to the movie Optimus Prime dies and like I'm six? You know, Hot Rod's fault. You know, the the whole deal. So like my, you know, my thing is looking back on it, there's not a movie that affected me more. And that's why I love it so much. <laughs> I'm gonna go with arguably, arguably, not only one of the greatest animated movies of all time, but one of the greatest movies of all time. Period. And I have to go with Miyazaki-san's Spirited Away. Damn it. Classic movie. Got classic, yes. Got classic <laughs> movie. Like, yes. it just, it is, every single time I've learned something new from it, the animation is some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen. The story, on the edge of your seat, you will cry, you will laugh. It is, what more can you say about Spirited Away, man? I'm sorry, Steve. It's a perfect movie. No, and it, and it would have been my first pick. I, I knew that you would have picked it, and it's a, it's a beautiful pick. I, what I can say is, like, it, it says a lot about, I've seen a lot of Miyazaki movies, and it says a lot about your favorite Miyazaki movie. Ultimately, it becomes your first. The first one that you see is probably your favorite. And that was the first one that I saw, and... It, it was stunning. I, I I was blown away. I didn't know that movies could do yeah, what yeah. that movie did. Not even just animation alone. Just like the story that you could tell with a movie like that is incredible. And it, it's it's something. It's some of the most perfect filmmaking I've ever seen. A perfect pick. Van and Jomi are looking at us like no, no. I am out. I'm no, it's cool. Rodimus Prime, baby. Rodimus Prime. <laughs> I'm outside. No, it's just a great. It's a great pick. A movie. It's it's a special film. I remember seeing it as a kid, and just being like mesmerized by the visuals. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I just like this is really pretty. And so you know, listen. All right, I was 1996. What did you want from me, Steve? <laughs> did you want me to get into the complexities of the film? No, man. I was just like, wow. Jeremy's is... about to pick Shrek. <laughs> First off, <laughs> no. Actually, I'm really surprised this this fell to me on the board. I thought for sure you'd take this, Charles. But um, the best, you know, one of the best animated films of recent years and one of the best superhero films in recent years, Into the Spider-Verse, God is damn. my pick. Yeah. Great, great pick. Great pick. Oh, great, great, God, great, great. I mean, like, damn. you guys is two on the nose. Not, no, but listen. No, it's, like, no man, it's so Here's good. the thing. Like, when it came out, we were, I was excited personally because, you know, Miles Morales was, was cool to me. Read the comics. I was like, yo, you know, Afro-Latino Superman, like, let's get it. The trailer drops, I think, like, 2018 or something, like, December. And I'm like, yo, this is this looks cool. Like, the visuals, whatever. And then I remember, I saw it three times in theaters. Like, it was that good. That movie was that good. And so, yeah, easy call. Into the Spider-Verse. I, cried. I, I, I cry every single time I watch it. I, I cried it. five times. I cried five times when I first saw <laughs> it. I mean, come on. Oh, easy, Steve. And No, for it's, real. Yeah, I was. Easy. Easy. Sick bastard. <laughs> There's some like they do some stuff in the film that like like if you rewatch it a couple of times, just like like th- this like one second of like nobody speaking, but you see a look on like Peter B. Parker's face and Gwen's face, and you're like, it just adds a layer of depth. Like I don't like you don't really see in like animated films, you know, for the most part. I tell you exactly when. It's that moment when Miles is webbed up behind in his dorm room and his dad's behind the door. 
yeah. and he can't speak and his dad's so just terrible. telling him like oh so my good. god and he's like I love you and you don't have to say anything back and like he wants to say it and he can't <laughs> say it I was oh, like fuck god. that scene and then the scene where they're at um, they're in the shed and they're like trying to get uh, trying to get Miles to fight and he can't do it and then they just start like hey man he can't do it and then he disappears and goes up the thing and the music starts playing and they shoot they go back to Miles or they go back to Peter and Gwen and the look on their face of just like, dang. And it just hits you. It's a it's a special movie. It's a special movie. And so yeah, one of the one of the best animated films. So that's that's what I'm rocking with. That's my pick. All right, Steve, what do you what do you got? Okay, well, I'm gonna get lame because one of my picks was just blindsided, but it's okay. I, I lo- I've loved this one probably since I was a kid, and you go back to it and it just warms your heart. And I can't I can't argue it. It's the first toy story. It's oh, it's man. one of my favorites. Uh, oh, that's a dark horse. Mm. I love that. It's it's beautiful. It's it's perfect. Uh, I, like I can't argue with anything that keeps Tim Allen employed. Well, maybe a few things, but it's it's great. <laughs> Tom Hanks <laughs> is beautiful. Woody's great. They're best friends. Uh, it, it's a wonderful adventure. And you know, enough said. Tim Allen's a snitch. Tim Allen, sixty nine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Tim Allen, six nine. Tim, Tim Allen's a snitch. We don't do. We don't. We don't. We don't play well, no snitch. We don't get. Maybe you know. We don't get home improvement. You know what I'm saying? We don't get Toy Story. That's we don't thing. get last home improvement standing. was home improvement was a lot to me as a kid. You know. You know who didn't get none of that? The motherfuckers that Tim Allen locked up because they was they was <laughs> in, in, in the pen Come and they couldn't on, watch. Man. They couldn't hey, watch hey, any man, of you that shit. You wouldn't do the same thing though. You wouldn't do the same thing. I'm look. I'm not getting involved in no stuff like that. So I don't know what. I, but I'll tell you what. Snitch. Tim Allen's a snitch. We got Ain't got nothing to snitch about if you're not snitches. outside. Okay. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. done. I'm not, no. Hell no. I watch movies. I like going out there and messing <laughs> with the streets. <laughs> All right, next category. Favorite animated TV show. Vance. This is, this is easy. Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> this is the oldest wow. fucking Thunder. thing. Thunder. You... <laughs> Thundercats! Yo! Oh. At, the, at, the, at the dawn of animation. Oh. Jesus Christ. Man. That's how I know Van is old as shit, because I had to watch reruns. Thundercats are loose. Let's do it. Thunder, 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 Cats. So here's the thing, Van. Here's the thing. You're, you're talking about the 80s version, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. Because Thundercats have had a lot of iterations, and I've seen a couple of them, and they've actually been quite good. They've had a lot of iterations, but look, this was easy. This was hard for me because, like, I grew up in the era of real Saturday morning cartoons. You guys didn't really have it. I'll tell you why. We definitely had it, but what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't have. You guys didn't have Saturday morning cartoons like we had them. You didn't. Clearly, Saturday, car, cartoons on Saturday morning. Not really. Not as much. I'll tell you why. I know when it stopped. Just real quick. Saved by the Bell killed Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. Because after Saved by the Bell, it's like well, I was watching cartoons on Saturday morning, and then it was cartoons, and then it was Saved by the Bell. All of a sudden, Saved by the Bell started popping off, and they would give you two Saved by the Bells, yeah. come on back to back. Then all of a sudden, it was Saved by the Bell, fucking California Dreams. <laughs> yeah, and then it was Saved by the Bell, two Saved by the Bells, California Dreams, fucking Hang Time. Oh, and then like you're going, it's City Guys. With uh, with, with 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 like all of this, it's like all of these things, and it got taken over by shows. Shows took over, but uh, Thundercats was amazing. Out, it was a golden age. Uh, Thundercats was dope, even though I don't think Thundercats came on Saturday morning. 
I came on afternoons, but He Man was in that era. I I loved Camp Candy during that era. John Candy had his own fucking the, the Karate Kid had his their own cartoon. Mr. T's cartoon, which people diss now, I thought was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Some would say Mr. T was washed by then, but man. Nah, that cartoon had nothing to do with Mr. T. He was the leader of a gymnastics team. Do you remember that? <laughs> and they solved mysteries. That was the cartoon. They solved mysteries. Oh but no, but by God. far, my favorite, uh, Mumra. Mumra. My favorite of all time. Shout out to Panther. Shout out to Tigra. Shout out to all of these guys. My guys are the Chitara, Wiley Kid, Wiley Cat. Thundercats are my favorite uh, cartoon ever. Wait, Wild. did you? was your mom worried about you for having a, a crush on Chitara? Not really. My mom, my mom bought me the sword, the Lionel sword. <laughs> That's a cool sword. And you put it there, and like it, the, the the eye would like light up, <laughs> and like dudes would come over to the crib. They'd be like, "Man, can we play with the sword?" I was like, "Get your broke ass, ruthless, <laughs> 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 away from my shit." That's <laughs> my cold. shit. The sword yeah, that but- your mom bought, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so what? Oh, she had to work an extra shift. Give me that sword. We're all broke at six. <laughs> but that was that was my favorite cartoon. It still remains my favorite cartoon to this day. All right, if we're going to go nostalgia pick, I had something in mind that was more modern, but I'm going to go nostalgia pick. Probably the first cartoon that made me love cartoons, I have to go with the Rugrats. Tommy was a G. Chucky was his best friend. Film, mm, we're with it. And you're really was getting like, Jomi upset. Mm. It, is just, it is just a perfect perfect cartoon. Like, I know a lot of older people like, but Spongebob, but blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, like Rugrats laid the foundation for it all, man. It really just, oh man, it, I wouldn't be here today without Rugrats. That's my pick. That's why Tommy Pickles, that's your boy. Hey, man, he went out sad on Nick Week to Spongebob. I was, I was sick. I was hey, fucking- I mean, if you, if you know, you know that somebody uh, tried to, tried to rig the polls for your boy. Somebody <laughs> went. Somebody it was went. <laughs> yeah, and was trying to give him the votes on dot com, and uh, he can't let that slide. <laughs> he was stuffing ballads online. He really was. He should like, I, like as much as I do love SpongeBob, as much as I really, really do love SpongeBob, I feel like we grade SpongeBob on a massive curve. But that's like a, that's a, that, that's a debate for another day. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's no, true. yeah, we get we get an argument another time, another time. It's, it's not the place. Wow, y'all really. Mm. So I had two picks here, but I. I gotta, you know, I gotta do the Jomi thing, and I gotta rock with the squad, Team Avatar. I'm picking Avatar: <laughs> Last Airbender. Of course, Jomi. You feel me? Like, of course. I mean, I mean, we go, we gonna see what Steve picks, but uh, y'all left me with, with two choices. But I gotta rock with, gotta rock with Avatar, man. It's you, you all know. I mean, everybody who's ever seen me tweet knows how much that show means to me. Just as a, like as a, as a child watching it, like as 12, 13 years old, the themes and you know, stories that they tell are really, you know, really adult. They talk about imperialism. They talk about war and how that affects children, how that affects lives, you know. And rewatching it over quarantine, I was just like, dang, bro. Like, I was really just, I was just taking this in as a little fun story where, oh, this guy needs to go save the world. But like, you look past, you look past, (laughs) you know, past the first layer and it's like really deep. And man, it's just truly a special offering. And if you go to theringer.com, you can write, read the piece I wrote about. How special it is. Show me with the plug. God listen, plugs, listen, plugs, you plugs, hey, plugs. listen. But but in all seriousness, it's a truly special show. One of the best animated shows we might ever see. 
And so, yeah, of course I'm going to pick it right here. Come on now. What are you talking about? Team Avatar, Gang for Life. What you mean? Wait, uh, before we go to Steve's pick, what is the chance that the Netflix, the Netflix show is going to be good? I give it like 20%. How much time do you have? Oh, my God. <laughs> there's, there's just so much that, like, worries me. Like, I, okay, so here's the thing. Not to get into it, but like we see the casting, right? And you know, all right, for show. I don't know. I don't know those actors quite well, to be just be straight with you, but I'm not gonna, you know, judge them just off looks and just, you know, I haven't seen them act yet. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that the the creators left due to creative differences, just mm. that's not Speak that, that never is like that that's gonna work. You know what I'm saying? And so we'll see. My fear is that they try to do more with uh Zuko and Katara and it, man, I don't know, man. <laughs> Jomi's real stressed. Gonna, He's real I don't stressed. know how you're gonna sell that, man. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But hey, I will say Avatar's legacy is about to be in the dirt if they fuck up two live action. I just, it's in just, decade, bro. it's gonna be it's in go, the dirt. It's gonna be hard to get this agenda across. Like to be frank with you, like how am I supposed to write this agenda? You know I love Avatar, but man, but yo, Steve, what's your pick? All right, I'll make it quick because it's easy, it's simple, it's beautiful, it's perfect. We talk about how much we love superheroes, and this is the purest interpretation of any superhero that's probably been the most beloved ever. Batman the Animated Series. God damn it. You can't go wrong. It's a good pick. It's it, and it's. It, I, I tell pick. you why it's my favorite animated TV show. It's because when I think of Batman, I, I don't think of anything else but that. That's nuts. That's nuts. But that's a good well, pick. No, it, if I, if I want to talk about what I want to see out of Batman, it's that. Dime Store Detective novels. It's the all black backgrounds from uh, like those animation panels of like long cityscapes of Gotham. It's the the stop trying to act like you want to see anything all black. You know. Okay. Damn man. Like let my man Steve get all black. Why you gotta do that, man? Man, what are you doing? Like what a hater. Now I'll be honest with you, but the way he's. He is describing something that I think is the reason why that show is so timeless. Because that is the, I wouldn't say that it's the way that I think of Batman, but it is the essence of the character for sure. And they were able to capture that in a way that really not other Batman, not much other Batman media has. It's the essence of the character. That was the other one I was deciding between because, like, mm -hmm. even growing up watching, you know, picking that up late, I was like, dang, man, like yeah. that put Batman on the map for a lot of us. So, really did. yeah, just a truly special show. All right. On to sa favorite Saturday morning cartoon, Van. This is going to be really important. Here's the thing, man. Think about when I was watching cartoons. Yeah, they didn't have TVs back then. You had to listen on the radio. You saw, you saw these after newsreels in the movie theater. Yeah, they were in the cave, cave paintings, you know? You guys are being very insensitive. Okay, it, it's like oh, I'm, it's, uh, it's our fault. I'm sorry. You can, know, I, can I ask you a question real quick? Do you guys know what Hanna Barbera is? Yes, yes, man. yes. Okay, I'm yes. just making sure. I'm God making damn. sure. I'm making sure that you guys know. I can't remember the name of the cartoon, but there was a Hanna Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> Great endorsement, ringing endorsement here. So look, there was a Hanna Barbera cartoon. I think it was Yogi Bear and his gang. Yogi's Ark Lark. Yogi's Arkalark. Yo, Yo, Yogi's Arkalark. They flow around in this big art and it could fly. It had like a helicopter propeller on top of it. But you know why? I, but you know why I don't remember the title of it? It was because 
I just used to watch it all the time so much. And it never really, it didn't have like an intro thing. It would just pop on. It was Yogi's game. It was Yogi. Oh it was Yogi's little this is pal. It yeah. was uh the fucking uh the 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 depressed dog. I forget what his name was. This is they were all there. It was all the Hanna Barbera characters, and they had all they had adventures together. Hold on, real quick. Got uh Charles and Steve. I just want you to give me the year you think this show aired. Just I'm looking guess. at it right now and it's shocking. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> Charles, give it a I'm shot. I'm gonna say like 1965. 1973. Yeah. God it was damn. still coming on. 1973. Series ran for two years, and in 1977 it was rebroadcast as syndicated weekday oh. series. <laughs> yeah, they come on. Yogi's gang, baby. Wow. Yogi's game. Baby. I did not anticipate that. On. Yogi's Arkalark. Yogi's gang. To fuck with it, hey, 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 that this, this is where you're alone because anybody else that watched this show does not use social media, so they would not interact yeah, with this. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is wild. All right, All right, Charles, let's hear it. Fuck you All guys. Right. Yo, if this is if if Batman the animated series is like the Beatles, like the Beatles of Saturday morning cartoon, this is like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> X Men the animated series. Like, I was in high school. That mm. shit was the flyest it was cartoon great. ever. Like, like Batman, yes, Batman animated series is classic. I think it like story-wise is better, but like if we're talking about just like as a kid, like the theme song was amazing. Like just when they were all fighting, I was just like in the theme song when the X-Men and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants mm-hmm. were running against each other. Like everything about this. I wanted to be Gambit so bad. I want Gambit was so cool. I had the biggest crush on Rogue. It was Yeah. The whole yeah. show is perfect. Can I? You guys got time for like a little mini sidebar? It's very like, <laughs> quickly. Like, like a, yeah, we got. Quickly, we're running up, quick, but yeah, quickly. So we went to a lock-in. The show came out when I was like in the seventh grade, and the lock-in was from Friday night to Saturday night. And so when we went to these lock-ins at Christian Life Academy. It was about two things: staying up all night eating pizza, and then also being around girls. Like it's a, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a church lock-in. We're at the lock-in, and we ate pizza all night, played video games all night, whatever. We had gone to sleep, and these girls had said they were going to come over to where we were and that we were going to hang out with them. Was, you know, some, it was I was young with some of the older kids and stuff like that, but I told them no. I said, I have to go home, and I have to watch X-Men, <laughs> the animated series. Incredible. It was coming on at like 8.30, and mm. I'll never forget the look on my homeboy's face. He looked at me. He was like, <laughs> Van, are you being fucking serious right now? I was like, yeah. He was like, I was like, nah, I got to go home. My dad coming to pick me up. I got to watch X-Men. And so I left and I went home and watched it. By the way, I was in middle school when that show came on. This was not like I was a cartoon. This was like I was about to turn like 13 in a couple of months after the show came on. But yeah, and then and they they called me X Man all the way up to like the fifth grade. Yeah, if like, I was man, your homeboy, we might have had to fight. I'm like, dog, like dog, this real, is the bro? easiest. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Damn, Joby, what do you got? I'm gonna go with my head on this one instead of my heart. I'm gonna go with Scooby Dooby Doo. Wow. Yeah, wasn't man. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, bro. You know, it's what not I'm Saturday. Saying? It's not Saturday morning. It's not Saturday morning. It's. It, I'm. We're allowing this. This we're is a spiritual category. There's been a lot of Scooby Doo's that have been on on Saturday mornings. I'm gonna allow it. Come on. Now, you got to very be very specific about this era of Scooby Doo because Scooby Doo's been around for a long time. I mean, it's got it's, it's the OG stuff. Not a pup named Scooby Doo. That was my favorite. Not what's new Scooby Doo. 
I, bro, listen. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. I, I'm not outside like that. I haven't. You clearly are not. <laughs> I thought it was the same thing. No, you gotta be real thing. specific when you talk about Scooby Doo. I, I didn't think. We, <laughs> I was, wait, I, are bro, you talking thinking, about what's a new Scooby Doo joke? They started rolling bro, out Scooby Doo variants, bro. They started rolling out Scooby Doo's like it's the Nikes, bro. You got the Jordan ones, you got the Jordan twos. Which one you picking, bro? No, man. I, the OGs, the one where like, oh man, it's Mr. Johnson. I would have got away with it as the one for these kids and your sneakily dog too. You know what I'm saying? Like. God damn, Mystery dude. Machine, Daphne, Velma, you know what I'm saying? Fred, Shaggy, you know what I'm saying? Just standard stuff. You know, come on now. The, the OG. I don't I didn't know we was out here doing variants of the thing, bro. Like I'm I, gonna let it slide, Joe. I'm gonna let it's it a, it's slide. A, it's a great pick. It's a it's a very fun show. I'm just gonna roll with the OG because that's the one I remember the most. The OG stuff that they would show, you know, on Boomerang, you know, in the in the mornings. But yeah. I didn't know we was out here doing Scooby. I didn't know they had more than one Scooby Doo series. Y'all got to come me at on. us with different Scooby Doo's. We'll, oh we'll my get gosh. you. All right, Steve, what are you picking? All right, this is going to be my. It, this has been my staple product probably since I was an absolute little kid. Animaniacs. Ooh, it's good. man, it's good. It's so Great good. Solid. It's Great solid. Animaniacs. I found out recently that Steven Spielberg produced it. And he was on this big yeah, kick with yeah, yeah. WB. Tiny, Tiny Toons, Toons and thing. Animaniacs. Amazing. Wait, you found out recently. That was when the I, whole fucking point of it. Okay, Fuck well, when guys. I was a kid, I, didn't, I wasn't looking at the... Man, you were like I'm 25 sick, when I'm it sick happened. Of this. <laughs> like, that was a Steven Spielberg Presents was the whole fucking thing. It was like the biggest fucking deal about it, man. Well, see, Van, you knew that because you went to the library with your dial-up internet and no, looked it up. It, it, I, no, a library. Why don't you put that R in there, my friend? You're an educated man. But like, but, but, but Dan is coming <laughs> off as the ultimate old head this episode. I'm, I'm, right? no, <laughs> I, I am. Like, it's so funny. He was like, he was like Steven Spielberg. That was like a huge thing. That was like a big deal. I know, but it, to me, I didn't. When I was a kid, I didn't know who Steven Spielberg was until I saw like six of his movies. But no, it was incredible. They were they did the the the, the countries of the world song. Yeah, all of the so, United yeah. States, Canada. Da, 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 da. That's yeah. great. Like, just so many incredible bits. And it was, like, one of those ones where, like, probably the best iteration of, like, a modern-era Looney Tunes with completely new characters. Like, right. no, topical, right. political, pop culture bits. It, it, it was yeah. great. They did one where, uh, they did one where, remember he was stealing? Do you remember when, when they did where he was stealing Albert Einstein's, uh, Formula? Intellect. Yes, yeah, his yes, formula yes. So that he could do the thing. Yeah. And then he got an F on his paper anyway because Einstein wasn't good at math. Or yeah. It was just funny. I love that. Yeah. Just a backstory. This is where Steve and I split this up. This is where we split ways. <laughs> because I had no idea. Wait, what? what Joe, you never watched Animaniacs. I know. I yeah, I've never watched. I know. I know of the Animaniacs, but I've never watched Animaniacs. Are you ten, Jomi? Like how? I've never watched it? Animaniacs. No, I feel. Nah, nigga, stay on that side. <laughs> nah. nah, stay on that side. All right, this is the last one. The last one. Favorite anime, best anime. Uh, there is one anime that I love. It's the story of the Hundred Man Slayer. One of my favorite characters of all time. His name is Guts. Yo, and the what? story is fucking berserk, baby. Wow. All right, hawking it up. Look. Back in the day, I was uh, I was really into Dragon Ball Z, right? Dragon Ball Z, dragging it up. 
all of that stuff. We 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 had lock-ins even in my twenties at Spaceport there in Baton Rouge. We go to Spaceport. We play video games all night at Spaceport, and then Reg would put Dragon Ball Z up. I was twenty two years old. Reg would put Dragon Ball Z. Is it really a lock in when you're twenty two? Is or is that just a hang? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a lock in. We had pizza and we played Marvel versus Capcom all night. I literally had blisters on my hands. That's how much Marvel versus Capcom we play all night long. Anyway, and they go, Yo, man, I know that you don't, but if, if you really want to get in some shit, bro, you should get on this Berserk. And I went over to Irvin's house and we started watching Berserk. Crazy. <laughs> Fuck with it. I haven't watched very much anime. But of the anime that I've watched, I have to be on antidepressants now that I'm watching Attack of Titan, Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> it was very depressing. But uh, but uh, Berserk is by far my favorite. Wow, I was not expecting that. Berserk is great. All right, I'm going off the reservation, guys. This is this pick is means a lot to me between the manga and the anime. If if they had a choice to like would you have Batman over this anime? I would pick this anime manga. It has to be One Piece. One Piece is the greatest anime manga of all time. Americans know, know, don't know anything about that, but Luffy and the gang, the Straw Hat Pirates, oh, man, there's a reason it's the most popular comic book in the world. It is the most beautiful story. Tony Tony Chopper, shout out. Sanji, <laughs> Zoro. I fucking love One Piece. It's my home screen. Like, oh, it's See, everything. I don't get it's- any of the references you're making, but I do know... <laughs> I do know that my brother, he's got like a pirate flag in his room from One Piece. Like One Piece is... Yeah, because you got to get on the wave. Actually, I can't tell anybody to get on it because like this story has been going on for 17 years. there's like a thousand episodes. I don't... Who has the time? It's like... You got to devote your whole life to this shit. You got to quit your job, I've been reading this since I was in middle school, bro. (laughs) Like... I'm now like older than the characters in the thing. And it's been going on for like 17, 18, 20 years. I don't know. There's no way. There's no way. One Piece is amazing. I'm going with One Piece. That's a good, that's a solid pick. Um, For me, uh, there's only one pick that I could honestly make. It was the first anime I ever watched. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Getting into more sad shit. Listen, and I will tell you the story. So I did not watch anime growing up. Like, that was just not a thing. I, I didn't get into Nami. I didn't get into Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, none of it. Right? I wasn't outside. Right? And so when I see uh, NGE coming on Netflix, I was like, hey, this looks like a cool mecha anime. You know what I'm saying? Like Power Rangers type stuff. Some kids learning to figure it out. Man, I'll check it out, man. You know, let me let me try something new. You feel me? I wasn't doing nothing. I was unemployed at the time. Let me just, you know, let me dive in. Um, I wasn't I wasn't the same for like a week. It's like watching that Bo Burnham special. Like you just need to like take a minute and like be sad for <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you, the last episode, and then I had to watch the movie. I had an existential crisis. Dog, I was in college. The movie? I was like, what, the, what is life? What is it about? I don't know anything about nah, it. What you is just got to watch it. I can't ruin it. Neon Genesis Evangelia. It's on Netflix. I cannot begin to explain what this thing is about. And here's the thing. Even the creator is like very vague about what he thinks it means. Because he's like, I'm not really sure. I've rewatched it like two or three times at this point, and I could not even explain the plot to you. I, I honestly can't get past um, Toji getting in the Ava because after that, it's just like it's just too much, <laughs> and I and I cannot go back and watch rewatch End of Evangelion because that last third is just oh my god, <laughs> like it will break your brain. So, but yeah, but you know that was my entry into the genre. So I'm I'm rocking with Neon Genesis Evangelion, man. You love to see it. You love to see it. Yes, Steve, sir. bring us home. Um, it's gonna be probably a basic pick. It show it shows my love for the uh Saturday and like evening 
Tsunami Block, Cowboy Bebop. It's Ooh. easy. Ah, love it. It's breezy. Love it. It's cool. Love it. There's really no, and here's the thing: you don't need to quit your job in order to see the whole series because it's <laughs> like, it's like it's like a dozen episodes, and then it's that's it. It 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 turned me on to like jazz music when I was a kid, like in an mm. earnest way. Yeah, that intro, nice. That in- yeah. um, I'm excited for the Netflix show, like an actually like hopefully Knockwood good adaptation of that. Uh, there's nothing that really got me going like the bumpers on Toonami hearing the block of Cowboy Bebop coming up at 11. And then I'm not going to make it to 3 a.m. to watch Bleach or whatever the fuck. So I had to watch Cowboy <laughs> Bebop. <laughs> fuck Bleach. Bleach is whack. You wasn't saying enough to watch Full Metal Alchemist, bro? Oh, not in a Brotherhood, maybe, Alchemist. but yeah. <laughs> that shit's terrible. Brotherhood is good. Though. Brotherhood's good. Terrible. Brotherhood's good. Van is just like, what are y'all nerds talking? Like, I've never seen Van look at me like I'm more nerdy than he is. He's looking at us like, what are y'all talking about? No, I'm interested. I'm going to watch <laughs> some of this stuff. When you guys tell me to, when you guys tell, I'm not watching Cowboy Bebop. It was a weed thing in college. I'm not fucking with it. But <laughs> like, but, but no, no, like, like Cowboy Bebop. I'm not fucking with Cowboy Bebop. What was the, remember Afro Samurai or whatever that show was? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I made up my mind to never watch it. Why? Just because it's good. I mean, That's such I, a I, weird I, stance that you have. I saw. It, I, I'm telling you. It, I saw. I, I was. I was looking at. it I saw it come on, and then I went, "No." Vin, you're out here telling us to watch the fucking Howard the Duck movie, and you won't watch Afro Samurai or Cowboy well, Bebop. Well, that's different. What's different? Please explain to us what's different. Okay. Well, the two of them are very good, and the okay. other one is ass. So, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? In, in any one of those things that you're talking about, does a very eligible, fine, at the top of her game, human white woman <laughs> have a romantic relationship <laughs> and a real kinetic sexual energy with a duck. Uh, no, and that's their selling point. So. There you go. So, wow. like, you had Leah Thompson, who looked really good, and she was kind of, you know, getting flirted with with the, with the duck man. All right, uh, we're out. <laughs> Look... All right, we made our picks, and now it's time for you guys to decide who you think has the best animation block. Is it Van? Is it Charles? Is it Steve? Or is it me, Joe Me? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ringiverse, and join our Facebook group at The Ringiverse on Facebook, and peep the channels, because we will be asking you who you think is the winner of this week's 4 on 4. We appreciate all the Midnight Boys. Of course, our producer is Steve Allman. Our social producer is Jomi the Explainer Adeneron. Next week, more What If. Make sure that you check in with Mal on the House of Mal on Friday. A lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, we're going to end up doing a special episode on Shang-Chi. All right, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And by the way, I want to point out to one thing. We hear all of the stuff that you guys tell us that we need to cover. We hear it all. I propose that we do an episode just called The Other Stuff where we talk about some of the other stuff that people are into. Because people keep saying, hey, Van, I'm watching this. Hey, Van, are you watching that? Hey, Van, are you watching this? Are you guys watching that? And they want to hear what we think about it. But a lot of times we don't have time to get around to it because there's just so much content out there. But we, we should do an episode on the other stuff. What, like uh, Titans and shit and all the other stuff? Yeah, just yeah. people keep talking about Titans. I'm watching Titans. I'm enjoying Titans. I know you guys don't give a fuck about Titans, but I like Titans. I'm watching, bro. I'm locked in. Yeah, yeah, locked in, locked in. All right, all right, all right. So, Charles, take us out, baby. Van Lathan is old. Tim Allen is a rat. 
But all I can say after the end of this episode is Thunder, Thunder, Thunder Cat! Peace. Question. Could Captain America beat Luke Skywalker? Hell no. <laughs> Captain America's getting washed. Captain America's getting fucked over. Me and my brother argued about this. The fuck is Captain America going to do when like Luke just force chokes him? Yeah, I don't think Luke, Luke is going to force choke, though. That's a sick I mean, problem. that's a dark side thing. I get I mean, that, I get it. But you, like, he could. You know what I'm saying? Well, no. He's not going to do that. You have to be a Sith to do that. Right, he's not going to do it. I'll, <laughs> so, I'll do it. I'll so. do it. I'll, I'll say this. When fucking Cap throws the shield, <laughs> Luke is just going to fucking catch it with the force and then throw it. And then Cap's like going to be like, oh shit. My brother says Cap would throw the shield and then chase Luke down and then get Luke hand to hand. All he's got to do is get the is get the lightsaber out of Luke's hand. He says Luke is Luke done. Luke still has the force, though. That's what I'm not kidding. Yeah, Luke can still jump around and, and, and do all kinds of crazy shit. It's stupid. It's, it's the Luke kind of stupid stuff that kids say. Luke projected his whole consciousness to another fucking goddamn planet. And the, and the best thing that Captain America can do is bounce a little bo- metal boomerang around. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and I love Cap. But anyway. All right. It's time for it, baby. Four. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. I got to go to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.